Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover, your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson. Good morning. Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast. And with my now co-host, Blake Tollison, today we're joined by another guy, another guest. This is kind of cool and it's something that we want to start doing here more and more as we approach the ice season is bring on a guest. I've got Mark Harmon with us from CORE, and Mark has been a, a longtime guest on the show. It's always great to have you on the show, Mark. Welcome. Yeah, it's great to be here. We can kind of always get caught up on what's actually happened in the world and with one another. It's fun relationship with catch cover as always but yeah good to be here good seeing you guys welcome to co-hosting as well Blake thank you appreciate that glad to have you on the show thanks well it's good to have you on we want to talk about fish house prep it's September now it's crazy uh you know in 90 days it's going to be December I hate to send that warning out to everyone but it is coming very very fast um it is we're going to have ice on the lakes it's going to happen we're we're getting close so it's time to start getting those fish houses ready um you know i know a lot of people especially it's something that that you guys at core talk about a lot is using these things as a year-round type of deal and and it definitely happens you definitely see those fish houses in the campground but i think probably the majority of them you know sit in a shed somewhere over summer um so it's time to kind of start getting those things ready to go um what what do you see, Mark, as kind of the first step to getting your, your fish house ready for the wintertime? I, I think if anybody owns a trailer that they use seasonally, it really starts with uh, checking your, uh, re-greasing your bearings. Uh, people take that for granted. Uh, you, you don't use it very often. You're not checking that very often. You don't necessarily know what's going on with that grease. It takes 16 seconds to, you know, get your stuff put together in about... Uh, 44 seconds to do the rest of the work. So in a minute, you can save yourself a very scary day of watching a wheel pass you on the highway uh, if you happen to heat up a hub and, and lose a tire. So I think, you know, this is a good time. You know, I mean, uh, if, if you're an annual or a biannual type of a maintenance person, uh, you know, and they talk about checking your fire alarms and the, the time changes and stuff like that, or your smoke detectors, rather, you know, maybe as this season approaches, this is a really good time to start with your uh, the mobility uh, factor of the trailer. You know, check your tires. Make sure you don't have any kind of flat spots. Uh, check your wheel bearings. Make sure that you're well greased. I think mechanically, you know, we, we buy these things for the functionality and the recreational purpose of enjoying, of enjoying these trailers. But if you're not actually taking a look at their primary function as a trailer, uh, you're making a grave mistake, uh, and and you will ruin the rest of your year. Um, on this is an, an issue with our trailers, by the way they function. Uh, but many trailers that have a drop axle frame, uh, when the trailer sits, especially with the humidity changes and moisture changes, it would be a really good idea before it gets freezing cold and hard on your welding shops to not take a moment to raise and lower that trailer to make sure things haven't seized up. You can pack a lot of grease into those axles to raise and lower those uh, trailers, but you know it, it doesn't take a whole lot uh, for them to repair them now. After you drive 500 miles or wherever you go and then you put pressure on it, you're panicking on the ice, jumping up and down on your trailer to try to lower it down to the ice so at least you can salvage your trip, all you're doing is damage. 
So check that stuff now. So grease in your axles and grease in your wheels. Um, we we use post jacks. You know, we raise and lower our trailers like an Indy car, right? So it lowers it up and we don't use our suspension. A lot of reasons because of the problems that people have with a lot of fish houses, homemade or, you know, conventionally built fish houses. But I think speaking to that audience of people, I've sold a lot of fish houses to um, check your axles, make sure that they go up and down, uh, check your cables. We don't use cables on our trailers, but check your cables, check your straps. You know, this is the time to do it where it's comfortable to be outside. So what? You swat two or three mosquitoes. It's a lot better than getting frostbite on your fingers as you're trying to jack this fish house up and get it on pinned together. Uh, so, you know, the functionality of the trailer starts, uh, you know, and beyond that, you can go through a functions check on your furnace. You can go through a functions check um, on a couple other things, you know, check your screens. Uh, there was a year, one year where I replaced a lot of screens uh, with a previous company I worked for uh, where we didn't know what was wrong, but they all had holes in the screens. And it turned out that the, the grasshoppers were eating the graphite. Uh, so if you appreciate having screens, you know, I guess you don't need those so much for ice fishing. Uh, but, you know, maybe check your screens. Uh, you can check out your air ducts, uh, you know, where your heat exchanges for your furnace to make sure that that's not... Uh, full of bees or have uh, a mouse nest in it, that will certainly throw off the way that the emissions work and trigger uh, your furnace not to function. Uh, so once you get through those basics, um, then, you know, maybe maybe go through that practice run. You know, we've talked about that in the past, Chris, get into the basics, raise, lower the trailer, make sure that you go through the functions, remind yourself of how the whole trailer works. Uh, and this is a good time to do it. So that's what I'd recommend. That's a that's a very detailed list you have there. So you know well, what I'm thinking about. Because I've been on the receiving. That's because I've been on the receiving ends of the phone calls of people going, "Oh my God, what, what do I do now?" Well, here's what you do: you check that yep. stuff in September. That's <laughs> right? good. That's, so that's really really right. on Christmas Eve. Right? <laughs> yeah, so. it's it's always fun. You know, you know, late November being on the uh, Facebook groups and seeing the people. We're on a red lake for the first time this year, and our furnace doesn't work. Right. Yep. And, yep. and a lot of times, it's people just asking how to use their furnace, like they've never even turned it on. That's, yeah. So, uh, like you said, just doing that dry run in the backyard is a big deal. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that's something I, I know you and I talked a couple of years ago, two, three years ago, Chris, and you asked me a question similar to that. And I went on this run of about 1,600 other things. And you're like, what about just taking it up and down once in the driveway? Like, well, you could do that too. <laughs> you know, I'm mindful of the very initial basics that uh, that are there. But, you know, I mean, I'm a little bit further down my path of the things that I've done. So, but really, essentially, that's where the basics are. You know, I... I can't emphasize enough that it's super important to check your battery too. Um, I don't think people really understand that if you did not disconnect your battery or have a battery disconnect switch on your trailer and your radio battery to keep your the memory of the radio stations simply alone on your radio has killed your battery. And once your battery goes all the way empty once, you have destroyed that battery. It will no longer work. It is not the manufacturer's fault that you can charge your battery for two days and it lasts three hours. You have ruined the battery, right? <laughs> you can call Interstate. You can call uh, you know anybody else out there. They're going to tell you the same thing. So you know, check your battery health. 
uh, you know, if you use your battery quite a bit. This is also a really good time uh, to uh, start up your generator. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, when you go out on the ice, you know, you, you see uh, a lot of red generators, you know, and, and you see a lot of blue generators. Um, it's too late to figure out that you should have cleaned the carbs um, when you're on the ice. It's not something that you want to do in your nice fish house. That's not something that you may want to uh, do outside when it's freezing cold outside. So, you know, check all your equipment, you know, and we can get into, you know, it's a good time to check your mono line, you know, and replace the mono line so you don't have a ton of memory and you have your lure spinning all the time and you don't know why panfish don't bite it. Well, you're scaring the hell out of them, right? You know, <laughs> change your line, have a better presentation. You might just catch something. I don't know, you know, so uh, yeah, the, those, those would be the basics, I think. If you can think so, of anything I missed, I'll throw it out there. Well, you know, we've kind of talked about at the beginning, but there's a lot of people that use these in the summer months, uh, maybe yep. through hunting season. So what are kind of some specific things that somebody who might be using it in the summer or the fall for hunting, what are some you know very specific things that they need to worry about? I mean, they're going to have to do a pretty quick turnaround if they're using it into November with, during hunting season. Are there some other factors that need to be taken into place? Well, I mean, your tire pressure, you know, I mean, when you go through season changes and seasonality, your tire pressure can change. You know, the fundamentals of a trailer still remain, you know, wheel bearings. You know, if you drive through an arid area or you're driving through wet, you know, all these things can uh, cause your grease to pack clump or even leak out. You know, that those are important things. Um, you know, you're not your summer usage, your fall usage in your uh your winter usage and the functions of the trailer are very different. You know, you might be messing with your air conditioning in the summertime, whereas most falls you're not. Uh, if you're hunting, um, I suppose you could. I mean, I've had I've had the need of blaze orange shorts before. You know, it's been seventy two or seventy three on opening day uh, and been warm. Um, but you know, I mean, it really will come back into a lightweight usage of your furnace probably in the fall. Um, but if you're traveling and you're going places, then you need to pay attention to the basic functions of the trailer uh, to make sure they're there. You know, I, I, really, it's it's your your basics that are attached to the frame that people probably have the most problems. It's uh, a lack of knowledge when it comes to how your battery operates and behaves with your trailer. Uh, and then a little bit of it is just peripheral. You know, for the most part, almost all the fish houses have windows that open and close. Great. You know, they have a place to sit down and you can actuate, uh, you know, a seat into a bed uh, and some other things like that. You know, I suppose for people that are on the RV side of things where they have tanks or cassette toilets, uh, it's, a, it's a good idea to recognize when that point is that you're going to start winterizing it. Um, you know, it's, it's not uncommon for people to have a little leak around the handle of their toilet. Uh, usually that seems to be the first place to freeze and I don't know why. Um, but that, that's a very easy indicator that if you have that leak, uh, you did not winterize the entire thing. Um, so, and that, that's not the manufacturer's fault, that's operator. So I think that that would hit the basics. Yeah, but from, from you know, I think the big thing is your summer use versus your fall hunting use versus your winter use probably happens and lands in three different locations. You know, uh, and if you're camping, I don't know, let's just say that you went out west. You know, you, you got highway to pay attention to, right? And if you're, let's say that you're central out of St. Cloud, okay? 
maybe you're going out to, uh, I don't know, let's just say the Black Hills uh, or the Bighorn Mountains or something like that for your summer travel. Uh, and then you come over to, uh, for hunting, you, you maybe hunt around Itasca State Park or something like that. You know, you, your, your mileage is very, very, very different. You know, your road styles are kind of similar, so not a whole lot different. But once you start traveling up to like Red Lake or Lake of the Woods, you know, you're pulling through a different situation of elements. You know, when, when you have salt, uh, there would be things that you might want to pay attention to in the winter. You know, I'm ahead of the game here. But, you know, cleaning that frame off so it doesn't rust or over oxidize if it's aluminum. Uh, so there's considerations there. But really, your fundamentals of your trailer are really uh, important. And I think that's the stuff that you're buying the units for that people take for granted so they can have the functionality inside the trailer. And that's really, for many people, a very backwards uh, way to enter the relationship with your trailer. And you have to understand and maintain and utilize this as a trailer first that happens to give you additional benefits. And that's wheels, that's bearings. Uh, you know, that's your battery function and power supplies. Yeah, the other th important thing, especially when we get into, we're going to go ice fishing. We're going to go up to the Lake of the Woods. And I know you and I, Mark, have talked about this before. People get up to Lake of the Woods, they fire up the furnace, and nothing happens. Uh, probably the, the number well, one thing. Well, happens, they call. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. You, you've been on the receiving end of those calls. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of the, the first step there is, what you have mounted to the front of your fish house, and that's those propane oh, tanks. Propane tanks, yeah. And you've got regulators, and you've got hoses, and you've got all kinds of things going there that may that power that that furnace system. And and that's again, as a spot, it's it's exposed to the elements. It's out there, uh, right. just checking over those regulators and making well, sure tightening them to make sure that they didn't loosen up over those miles as well. That's a good point because it's just it's it's an oversized wing nut that usually goes on that pressure rod to hold them in place. You know, there's there's some other factors too that uh, this might be more of a troubleshooting type thing, but there are certain agricultural areas that we've had pockets, like a very locality-based uh, issues with furnaces. And we kind of backed it up and figured out that there was, hmm, I don't, I think, was it a methadone or there was some kind of uh, additive that they're putting into propane, whether you need to smell it, to know if there is a leak or to be able to handle moisture, that the way that it's prepared was very different in the summer that was in the winter and it had a higher cause of freezing. Uh, and then it also was more, it, it basically, it was, you know, your furnaces are designed to have safety features so they don't kill you. Uh, and there's no reason that they shouldn't be highly sensitive. However, from a raw functionality, when they get highly sensitive, sometimes it feels like they're finicky and they don't work like we want them to. But they are. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, and they behave different with summer propane versus winter propane. Uh, and that... I'm not an expert in this, but we've seen some indicators as well. So, um, you know, maybe refilling your propane uh, in the winter time and topping that off so you get a better blend of what the current mix is supposed to be could be a suggestion as well. It's kind of an outlier, but we're kind of getting that out of that Albert Lee uh, south of the Minneapolis metro area. 
So I, I guess that's why I said it's ag. I don't think it was ag based unless they're using a lot of propane for their corn dryers and stuff. I guess I don't really know. But there's there's a high amount of propane that had to be handled different. And we're getting some failure functions on, you know, both Dometic and our Truma furnaces and stuff like that. It wasn't just one. Um, so it was, it was like, well, if it's not that furnace, because that wasn't a constant in the equation, what was it? And then when you start making phone calls to the propane companies, they start talking about their additives and this and that. It's like, oh, my God, there's a whole different world that I am very unfamiliar with. I uh, can't wait to get that phone call, right? You know, so, and if we don't, and, and I should say, you know, since I've been with Core and stuff like that, I really don't get the phone calls, um, you know, like we have before. Uh, but you know, I don't know that lucky, or maybe we're just better about setting the right expectation uh, to kind of ward off those things. Uh, but I, I think expectations and knowing that you own a trailer and you need to be in the mindset of trailer maintenance is the overall story that I'd like to communicate. I don't know if that, that helped you at all, Blake. Did that, did I, that at all answer your question? <laughs> it, it did, yeah. You went way above and beyond what I was okay. expecting. So that was great. I have yep. a tendency to do that. <laughs> it's all right with me. Okay. Uh, one all right, uh, Mark, did... the other thing, and you brought it up, the generator thing earlier, uh, you know, just getting that generator ready. But one thing I discovered this summer, I actually did a little camping with my fish house this summer, and uh, I had a, a short in the connection – um, I was using an adapter to go from that 220 to 110 to plug in at the campground. Yeah. And and my wire, my little adapter thing had a short in it. And huh. I, I got out to the campsite and plugged in and I was uh, without air conditioning because I couldn't get uh, get shore power to the house. So were you blowing uh, breakers or was it? Uh, no, it just wasn't working. Uh, it, yeah. And you could, you know, I had to have that that thing plugged in just a certain way to make it work. Oh, and if it yeah. wasn't plugged in and it wasn't the right way, it, we, we had nothing. So that can be tough to diagnose unless you got your multimeter buddy with you, you know, and figure out what's really going on. Uh, I'm not your greatest multimeter buddy, but I work with one. Uh, You're right. I usually can call them up. It's like, man, how come my navigation lights aren't going on on my boat? I know I'm supposed to use this, but where, you know, I'd, you know oh, do this, do this, do this. You really ought to know how to use this. Yeah, I know. Thanks again. <laughs> so you know speaking of that you know i'll take it one step further when you, when you go from summer use to winter use when you're connecting from your generator to your trailer there's a big darn difference between using a copper clad uh, plug-in versus a woven copper uh outdoor plug um you will find that it just draws a lot more current on copper clad than it will on a very nice woven or braided uh, copper wire. Uh, the difference, uh, I'm like, how do I know if I have one versus the other? Well, it's kind of like picking up a cheap pair of jumper cables. You know, they never spring their coil. And then you have some that just kind of flop all over the place and they don't freeze up. Uh, you get that with the extension cords too, where they kind of hold their shape and form. The ones that don't seem to kink up like that, those are the woven copper. Um, when you have woven copper, you can deliver a little bit more current, which doesn't create a whole lot of like electrical chatter, which can pop your breakers. I find that when people plug into their 15 amp outlets on the outside of their uh, outbuildings, whether it's their shop or garage, if they're, they're going from a 110 source, I also see that a lot with generators. Uh, where I see that mostly is in the winter time or in the summertime when people try to power up their air conditioners, you know, we use a, a high efficiency air conditioner, uh, and so it should draw less current as it winds up as the compressors start going. 
And if you're plugged into a copper clad cord, it sometimes will struggle out the old classic Honda 2000. Uh, but if you use a proper cord or a more expensive cord, they're about 70, 80 bucks versus like 15. Uh, so you're paying for the difference, but you have the functionality. Uh, you know, you can fire up our air conditioner very easily with a uh, Honda 2000. Heck, even an old common, uh, Coleman Mach 3, uh, when I used to own an ice castle, uh, that was just a very straight run-of-the-mill air conditioner. I could power that off of a Honda 2000. People say you can't. Well, I can almost guarantee the differences in the power cord that you use. And people think that that's, that's magic, but it's not. It's just straight science. And you have to have the right equipment. Otherwise, you can't power it up. So knowing what you're doing and how you're uh, you know performing makes a difference. Good advice. Um, <clears throat> so thinking about ice fishing, um, obviously there's certain things that you want to have with you in the fish house. Like what are some of those must-haves uh, beyond the fish house itself, beyond the generator, beyond the batteries? Um, what tools, things you like to have in the fish house with you? <laughs> Besides like the actual ice fishing recreation <laughs> uh, piece of that whole thing. Um, besides your fishing and recreational activities, I think it's good to have a toolkit with you. Um, when I, when I travel and I, and I don't, you know, I, whether I travel out West with a trailer or whether I'm traveling to go ice fishing, um, you know, I typically will bring, you know, a, a generator, even if I don't use it. And a lot of times I'm moving around a lot, just, just so I have a generator. Um, I usually will have an extra propane tank in my vehicle um, or, or with me. Uh, I'm always paranoid that I might run out, even though I don't. Um, I always have that with me just in case. Um, when <clears throat> I think if you have conventional furnaces like a Suburban or a Dometic, I think you're fooling yourself if you don't have a sales switch, a high limit switch. Uh, and an extra regulator on it. You could buy a core and avoid some of those things because we use a Truma furnace, but you need to have those few things. It's a very, 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 very frequent fail uh, on most conventional fish houses. So sales, I'll repeat it again, sales switch, high limit switch, and also a regulator. If you're not carrying those in a conventional fish house, you are probably going to have a problem. Uh, and it's better just to be able to swap those out um, so the other things that I carry, I usually carry with me, um, since I have it, it doesn't take but a second to throw like my half inch impact, uh, in some sockets, uh, in my, um, in my truck in case I have a flat tire. Uh, you know, I mean, that's something that I would take a lot of my focus on the tools that I bring are to make sure I can come back home. Right. Uh, so getting there is fine, but getting back home is just as important. Um, so those those are things I bring. And I guess a lot of tools that I might have, I typically have in my ATB, which I usually bring inside my trailer anyway. Uh, and I would say that inside my ATV, uh, I, I would have, you know, a winch fixing kit. Uh, I, you know, for the rope, ropes can break. So I, I have a winch fixing kit. I'm sure I, I know I have a set of wrenches and a set of screwdrivers, uh, you know, kind of low impact type stuff. But like in my truck, I definitely keep the sockets and a little bit more uh, heavy duty kind of tire uh, removal in exchange kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I think that that would be the basics. I mean, you, we can get into the paranoias of all the things, you know, I, 
uh, being an Eagle Scout myself, I talk about there's a very fine line between being prepared and being a prepper. And I like to think that I'm more on the Boy Scout side <laughs> of that. <laughs> but there is some there is some very, very hardened, uh, I don't know, it, to redundancy. Redundancy is not going to be a problem. Oh, water. Bring a lot of water. Uh, you yeah. never know what your situation might be. Uh, you could be someplace a lot longer than you want. You know, the rules of three, right? Three minutes of air, three days of water, and three weeks of food. I could probably go four weeks of food. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little bit more prepared for that. But, uh, you know, I mean, having plenty of water, uh, that that could be that could be a lifesaver, literally, you know. Yeah, I, I like to have water out in the fish house because it just seems like when that furnace goes, it just dries everything out, dries you out and... Right. And, and yep. having uh, having that water is really nice. Mark, really appreciate you coming on the show and just, you know, you're always prepared. You've always got something to talk about. But one of the things that I wanted you to be able to talk about today is, you know, when people think about core ice, they think about really, really nice fish houses. But you guys have kind of got into a new market and it's an exploding market right now. Uh, that overlanding thing is becoming a really, really big deal, and Core has entered that market. So tell us about what you have going on new at Core right now. Yeah, so our parent company is IntelliCore. Uh, I guess I could just kind of plug the whole thing. You know, I mean, when, when you look at IntelliCore, um, we definitely are known within the ice fishing community as Core Ice, right? all day long. Uh, and as the complexity of the trailers has been following the demand of what our uh, customer base wants, uh, it pushed us into putting water like uh, tanks and stuff like that. Uh, so we had our 8019 and 8026 that were water filled. Uh, and we were also verging on building this uh, 5510, five and a half feet wide, 10 foot long <clears throat> over uh, Overland Express square drop trailer has a little uh door on the back so you have your kitchen and it has a double bed on the inside and air conditioner solar panels these little killer little high muscle type units that uh, you see crawling over the west and i pulled them up the fire trails of the big horns i took it out to the red desert in wyoming uh what a neat little experience uh that thing is i've seen sand dunes i've talked for years our IntelliCore panels, if we can keep you uh, warm at 30 below, we can certainly keep you cool in the desert. I needed to prove that second half to myself, and it definitely does. Uh, so the installation factor is a big deal. Um, you know, another side of what we do, too, is we build a line of commercial trailers called Core Pro. We manufacture fiber optic splicing trailers uh, for the telecom industry. Uh, as far as this 5510, this little ox, as I call it, the Overland Express, or I'm sorry, uh, Extreme, uh, you know, it's a lightweight trailer. It's built uh, with our composite panels. Uh, it's on our Cordash RV website, along with our 8019 RV and our 8026 RV. So there's three models that live on that. And, you know, that's something that we had been manufacturing uh, a different company was selling them, uh, made by Core RV. Uh, and so, you know, through some of the economic changes and things that have happened over the last couple of years, not all companies survive, but this model is going to. Uh, we're probably going to ship a few of them out to dealers. They're and we're not looking at as much of a local uh, localized market like what ice fishing may limit you to about eight or nine different states, roughly. Uh, there's a national interest 
on something like this. So it seemed like a good place for us to diversify our portfolio. And it fits to all of our values, of course, you know, having a waterproof, lightweight, durable, uh, very strong uh, insulated trailer without using organic products is just something that flows throughout. And when you look at our design and our engineering, we just take it a couple steps higher. You know, we design stuff more like vehicles, more so than conventional build styles. And it's it's clean and it turns heads, man. When I took it out west, I couldn't stop and get gas without talking to somebody for a half hour. And it wasn't me talking, you know. They're like, so <laughs> tell me about this. Where you? I mean, you saw it, Chris, here. You want to talk about it today. And that's cool because, you know, I mean, I was talking to my partners this morning. How does that fit on the catch cover side? Here's how it fits. People who go ice fishing also go camping. You know, and right. they all have, I think, you know, <clears throat> we may talk about, you know, fishing, but we may talk about hunting. We may talk about this. But I think that, you know, as important as ice fishing is to the legacy products of our business, there's an overall core um, value that we share in that seeking adventure. Uh, and I think the most of us, I think I know a lot of people who fish and hunt that the fishing and hunting is really secondary to the adventure of the experience and the camaraderie that they share. That fits me, you know, and it probably fits the majority of people that I know and get along with too. Yeah. I think a lot of people, I, I love that you brought that up. A lot of people think that the people that are out there on the lakes with their fish houses are just in there, just wailing away at fish. And the reality is I think most people that, that, buy fish houses and put them on the lake are putting them out there because they want to go camping on the lake. And uh, I think the guys who are really, really, uh, you know, doing the putting most fish in the basket are, are the people that are moving around. I mean, anybody you talk to who is a pro ice angler and you ask them, what's the key to catching more fish? They say, you got to move a lot. And I mean, that's the first thing that they tell you. So you know the fish house thing is more of an experience so i think what you're what you're on to is 100 correct is that people are looking for the experience it's something that that i talked and what you you said you know people go hunting or go go ice fishing also go camping you know we changed the format of the show a little bit this year this summer we talked about a lot of open water stuff and sure. and i got questioned they're like well why are we doing an open water show we're an ice fishing company and i go same people well, people who ice fish also fish open water. So we're, we're talking to the same people. And we so, just want to make sure we're talking to them all the time. So when COVID hit, I don't know if I've told you this story before, Chris, but I'll tell you this on air. You know, on, in 2020, when COVID hit, we had to kind of figure out what we're going to do with our business. We were told by people, not by us, that we were a non-essential business, right? It just so happened in our back pocket, we'd already started this fiber optic splicing uh, project, which was definitely essential. And I think it will be for a long time. And that, by the way, let me just say this. We're not removing any products to build others. This is an addition to as we expand and grow our business. We're not going anywhere. Um, but what I was going to say, what was I going to say? What I was going to say is, uh, oh, Chris, I lost my train of thought. We're talking about, what were we talking about? We're talking about people who go fishing also go camping and people oh, who yeah, yeah. fish in the so open water survey. also ice fish. Yep, yep, yep. So I did this survey uh, where, where we surveyed invested customers, people who had already bought core. 
you know, who are you? What did you buy? What were you looking at before you bought a core? You know, what were other models that you're considering? What drew you? What do you like about it? How does it pull? What are your complaints? Good, bad, or ugly? Just be honest with us so we can figure out some directions. Because there's a certain point in time where you can be as good as you want to, but if you're not smart talking to people where they live, you're not going to talk to any. Henceforth, the pivot with your show. Uh, and I, this is this is interesting. I'm, I'm going to ask you and Blake both. I'll put you on the spot. The number one hobby behind fishing, and we asked a whole list of different hobbies, whether it be you know motorcycling, RVing, uh, fishing, um, you know I don't know sewing, you know flying kites, you know th those weren't on there, but that kind of stuff. Golfing was, uh, bicycling, you know, of all the outdoor activities that I could think to put on this list. Do you know what the second highest amount of people shared in common? I'm not saying it was their favorite, but the number one was fishing. And I think that that hit 100%. And I want to say that 96% of our customers marked the exact same box. I'm telling you, it's not at, uh, it's not obvious. What, do, what would you guess it'd be? Well, I would guess it's hunting or camping. Sure. What yeah, would you guess, guess too? Yeah, I was okay. going to say camping or hunting. You're both going to do this. Oh, yeah, that makes sense, right? It's gardening. There you go. You know? Yeah. So yeah. it's like, okay, so it may not be my favorite. I'm not going to the bar telling the guys, God, I have my tomatoes this weekend. Well, I know guys that do, right? <laughs> but, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people who are kind of into the root of the soul of who we are, you know, kind of like the sustainability of being able to provide and, and gardening doesn't travel too far up. It may be something we do with our spouse. It may be something we enjoy ourselves. That, that some people might be just keeping really good care of their lawn. But it, it's amazing how that, you know, so you don't, until you ask the question, you don't really know, but I think that's smart. I'm not saying catch cover should pivot and start a gardening channel. That's probably not exactly the same person, <laughs> but maybe that'd be interesting. <laughs> I don't know. What's that? They have to do something in the summertime. That's exactly right. Yes, yeah. So it was it was totally eye opening and fascinating to me. Um, and and I think I don't know. You know, I mean, of course, hunting was huge. You know, and bow hunting was huge in there. But I thought it was really peculiar that gardening superseded that because we all know the guy that fishes. That I don't know. I've never hunted. You know what I mean? Or yeah. or you know, I've never had any interest in uh, RV, but uh, but I'll take a tent up to the boundary waters. You know, something like that. You know, we all sure. know the difference in these people. Right. So. Well, Mark, we really appreciate you coming on, and, and it, you know, your preparation is always great. Uh, it's fun talking, talking a little shop with you as well. Uh, uh, Blake, do you have anything else for for Mark? Something you wanted to ask him before we wrap up? I don't think so. I appreciate you coming on, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's my pleasure to be here. Um, I'm never shy of topics, uh, and I'm always happy to, to help out. But I, I enjoy the show. I enjoy what you guys are doing. And uh, I hope you guys have a very, very, very nice Labor Day weekend. It's been fun talking to you guys. And if you're going to start pulling the bow strings here in a couple of weeks, good luck. Yeah, same to you. Thank you. If people want to find out more about Core Mark, where should they go? Well, this is a list. <laughs> <laughs> you can go to core-ice.com. You can go to core-rv.com. You can go to uh, core-pro.com. Certainly, you, you'll find a much bigger presence on YouTube or Facebook with our Core Ice product. And that's probably the majority of who these people 
uh, that we're talking to today are you're our people, right? Uh, so if you want to learn a lot about uh, CoreIce and the products that we do and our IntelliCore uh, panels that we manufacture our products out of, um, our core ice. I mean, we go through a whole panel destruction series. We're shooting our panels with shotguns, hitting them with baseball bats, hitting golf balls into them, uh, humanizing the process. We make tough stuff and it's good. Uh, and I will be bold enough to say we make the best in the business and we're happy to be here. But you don't have to have the best in the business to get out there and enjoy yourself. And uh, if you want to see a trailer, I'm out there, just let me know. But I'd be happy just to fish on a bucket right next to you. So it's good to talk to good people. And I appreciate the time. Yeah, it's it's, it's fun. And you, you mentioned, hey, if you see me on the ice, stop. It's amazing to me how many times uh, I've been on the ice and, and people pull up and, and you go, hey, can I just take a look at your house? You know, it's just amazing how people are, are really happy to share that with you. And, and they yeah. like to show it off. So that's kind of the another fun thing about, about this. There's whole a really thing. cool community amongst ice fishermen. And I think we all will watch each other's back. And I think some of the saving graces, if you didn't bring some of those tools that I was talking about earlier, mm -hmm. that guy's got them too. So right, <laughs> you're right. probably okay. And we've all broken our stuff and we've all been in trouble. And so we're not going to worry. It's it's like, I don't know a guy in Minnesota who doesn't have a toe strap in his pickup in the wintertime. We've all right. been there. We're all going to give you a tug and get you out. You know what I mean? It's just yep. part of it. Yep. So, Very good. Yeah. For Blake Tallison and Mark Harmon, I'm Chris Larson. Thanks so much for watching and listening this week. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com.